0: So I'm thinking outside, and and I thought, well, you know, Jesus really did a lot of his ministry outdoors. The majority of the ministry that we see, Jesus Christ did, he did did outdoors. And and so why not look at some of his his stuff and and, and use it in in our church? And so over the next several weeks, I wanted to spend some time in a portion of Scripture. You know, last week I kind of used Billy Graham as a model for some of my sermon. This week I'm using Jesus. I mean, I'm putting myself with the heavy hitters, if you know what I'm saying. Like Billy Graham, Jesus, and me. I mean, there we go. I mean, who? That's, that's pride. Um, I'll probably talk about that at some point in this. Anyway, and so I want to look at a sermon that Jesus preached. Probably one of the the, the most profound sermons or the most memorable sermons um, when we think about him. We know that Jesus, he was on the mountain. He had disciples, and and he began to preach what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount. If you look in your scripture, it's it's about uh, three chapters long. Chapters 5 through 7 of the book of Matthew are, are what encompassed this sermon. And so over the next several weeks, I just want to see what this sermon was saying. And, and the reason why I find it so important or so valuable, just as a point of reference, a lot of theologians, they'll compare the Sermon on the Mount to what happened when the law was brought to the Old Covenant. So when Moses had the law and received it, was telling them about the law, kind of the foundation... Another commentary I read, it said that the, that, that the Sermon on the Mount is kind of like the constitution for the kingdom of God. So this new kingdom that Jesus Christ was establishing, he brought this, this sermon and he began to teach. You know, this is early, chapter 5, pretty early in his ministry. He, he was beginning to unpack the reality of the kingdom of God. Some people don't realize, if you ask them, what did Jesus preach about the most? They might say sin, they might say heaven, they might say all these other things. The reality is, the the, the, the thing, the, the concept, the idea that Jesus taught more than anything else was the kingdom of God. And so as we look at the Sermon of, on the Mount, I think what we're going to begin to do is discover the reality of the kingdom of God. Jesus is trying to take people who have one mindset, they've been living in... In the old covenant, they've been living outside of the kingdom of God. And he's trying to show them what he's bringing about. And so over the next several weeks, we'll look at the different points of of his sermon, the different things that that he was to say. But but this week, I want to start in the very beginning. I'm going to read uh, the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to pray before I do this. God, I thank you for us being together today. I thank you that we can look at your word together. I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. God, I pray that as we look at your word, God, you bring revelation to our hearts. I pray for a renewed understanding of your kingdom. Lord, I yield myself to you. I yield our ears and our hearts and our minds to you. We ask, God, your work, your will would be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool thing is, if you've got a cell phone, you can pull it out and follow along with me. I'll be reading in the NIV. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I tell you what. If I'm Jesus, this is a a really interesting place to start. I said, you know, this is perceived as the constitution for for the for the kingdom of God, and Jesus is laying out and he starts with these statements that in some ways they can be perplexing, they can be confusing. Blessed are the poor, it says in Luke, or the poor in spirit, it said in Matthew, and and blessed are the meek. And we say, wait a minute, what is what is Jesus trying to accomplish? I mean, this is a, a monumental sermon that Jesus is preaching, it's a teaching that He's given to His disciples, why start there? Why start with blessed are, are these? I mean, if I'm going to be talking about my kingdom, I'm going to talk about the boundaries. Like, I'm going to tell you where it's set up, or I'm going to tell you what it looks like, or I'm going to tell you the, the, the benefits of my kingdom, and I'm going to tell you about our army, I'm going to tell you about the military, I'm going to tell you about all the things that we have for you. I'm going to tell you about our governance and and how it's set up. I mean, that's the reality of what I expect. And we start with these Weird phrases. Why there? Why this? Well, as I looked at these words, the word blessed, and we hear the word blessed and we wonder maybe what that means. The reality is that word is, is most appropriate translated happy. Jesus is talking about his kingdom. He wants to tell you about the happiness in his kingdom. I mean, you think about that, the world, if we look at, at the kingdom of this world and, and the world tells you all these things that are going to make you happy. The world, and I promise you, that list is not going to look like anything like the list that Jesus started with. But, but the word is, is blessed. It's, it's fortunate. It's even to be admired. So people who are these are admired. Now, I don't know the last time that we admired the poor in spirit. I mean, the world's going to tell us there's all kinds of things. I mean, the kingdom that Jesus Christ is establishing, it's a completely new thing. The, the, the idea that I want to focus on this morning is, is the change in perspective that Jesus is bringing when it comes to His kingdom. He's trying to teach people that, hey, you've been living in the kingdom of this world and you've actually been living under the old covenant, but I'm bringing you something new and you have to look at it differently. And when you start to look at it differently, it's going to change the things you do. It's going to change the way you act. It's going to change the intentions of your heart. You see, in this world, the world tells us that we need finances to be happy. The world tells us that we need fame to be happy. The world tells us that we need fortune, that we need all these things to be happy. I'm pursuing happiness so I get to do what I want, when I want, how I want. I mean, that's what the world is telling us. That's the the perspective of the kingdom of this world. Jesus is saying, I'm changing this up. You know, the Old Testament, the perspective of happiness, of of value, of of those who were admired were what? It was basically where you were born, or who you were born under. That was how you were admired. How obedient you were to the law. That was how you were considered fortunate or blessed. It was how much of the law you knew and, and could recite. Did you get to stay with the rabbi and learn from him or not? I mean, that was the reality that the disciples were focusing on. But Jesus... This morning is saying, church, here's the keys to happiness in my kingdom. These are the intentions. These are the pursuits. I mean, how much energy, how much effort do people go under? Do people, do people go through in order to experience? How, how hard do they work for happiness They just keep striving and striving and and realizing there isn't true contentment in anything. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to tell you about my kingdom. And if you're going to understand my kingdom, you're going to have to understand these keys. These keys look like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Poor in spirit, it doesn't sound like something that that I want to attain for. It doesn't sound like a goal that I've set on my, my life checklist. I mean, the idea of being poor in anything, it's not something any of us like. To be poor in spirit, to be poor is to be without, right? To have need. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Whose kingdom is it? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? At some point, Jesus is communicating to a people. And you think about the people who probably are listening. We think about the Pharisees and we think about those who have been ingrained in this old covenant. They, 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 they find so much value in who they are or what they do. Jesus is saying, it's not about you poor in spirit, realizing that you can only go so far, realizing that I can't, but I need Him in order to. I will not be happy in this life if I try to attain everything in myself. I have to realize that in me I cannot, but with Him all things are possible. So many of us We think we're blessed because of our talents or abilities, but the reality is, it's in my weakness that He is made strong. His power is made perfect in my weakness. And so Jesus is saying, hey, in the kingdom I'm talking to you about, in the kingdom that is coming, you need to acknowledge the necessity that you can't, but we can. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those... Who mourn, for they will be comforted. A lot of times, this is the verse for a funeral. We like to use this verse because, blessed are you who mourn. I mean, happy are those who mourn. There's something different here. Fortunate are those who mourn. Admired are those who mourn. You know, there is the sense, there is the assurance, I promise you, God will comfort you. When you mourn, I'm not going there, but I believe the context of this verse is beyond just a physical mourning for what you've lost. But it's the reality, the recognition of godly sorrow that I mourn because I've failed. I mourn because of the sin in my life. I mourn because of the mistakes when I haven't measured up to the standard that God has set before me. Second Corinthians chapter seven for for, some, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and toward or results in salvation. Blessed are those who mourn. You mourn because you're broken over, over the sin that's in your life. Or you're broken over the sin that's around you. The promise is in His kingdom that when you mourn, you will be comforted. How are we comforted? Well, I just talked about I was poor in spirit. I didn't have enough in myself. But He sent me His Spirit, who Scripture calls the Comforter. So God will comfort me with His Spirit, even in the midst of my mourning, even when I'm recognizing the the frailty of myself or the faults of myself. God will comfort me. He sent His Comforter to do this. This is His kingdom. It says, Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. What does it mean to be meek? I don't think a lot of times when we picture the meek, especially in the kingdom of this world, we look at those who are lifted up. I mean, society, athletics, politics. We're not looking at the meek. But God said in my kingdom, in the kingdom that I'm establishing, in the kingdom that I have, blessed are the meek for they will inherit. The inheritance is theirs. What does it mean to be meek? Well, it's summarized in some of what we've been talking about. It's the reality of being humble and being submissive. When I'm humble and submissive, I put myself at the Father's feet. And He says that I will inherit His kingdom. I will inherit the earth. Because of the position of my heart. Acknowledging it's not about me. It's not about what I do. It's not about what I've accomplished. But it's about who God is in me and what God's done through me in spite of me at times. You know, Jesus understood the phylacteries that the that the Pharisees and the and the rabbis were wearing. He understood a people that had pride. And he's saying, No, pride isn't the place for you, but blessed are those who are meek. In my kingdom, the ones who will inherit it are those who are not celebrating their self, but they're acknowledging who I am in them. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for you will be filled. What are you hungry for? Food. That's my son. He gets a star for today. You know, I think we hunger for a lot of things. We talk about the kingdom of this world and people are hungering for so many things. They're hungering for attention. They're hungering for renown. They're hungering... For, for, for other things. What does the Scripture say? Jesus says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's a big word. That word righteousness, I think it's one of those words that a lot of times we don't think I'll ever measure up to that standard. How do you hunger and thirst for Righteousness. But when someone has a desire to be an athlete, they, they have a hunger and thirst that causes them to go to the gym, that causes them to get up early, that causes them to stretch their body to, to, to limits beyond uh, what, what, what anyone expects. When people hunger and thirst for, 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 for uh, uh, anything in life, it's all about their intentions, their efforts, their endeavors, go towards making sure that that can be satisfied. Jesus said, hunger and thirst for righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is the reality of being right. Well, I like to be right. If you'll talk to my wife, wherever she is right now, if you'll talk to my roommate from college, someone who's been around me a lot, they'll tell you, I enjoy being right. It's not what the righteousness he's talking about. But being right is being whole, it's being complete. I've been made righteous. By the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Who hungers that everything would be right, acknowledging that the only way things can be right, the only way you can be considered righteous, is the blood of Jesus Christ. We have failed. We have fallen. We are made righteous because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. It's because of what Jesus Christ did that I can be considered righteous. Who is hungry and thirsty for the forgiveness that God has for you? Who is willing to say, I'm not going to, I'm going to argue with my flesh. I'm going to, I'm going to tell my flesh you're not right. When I, when I struggle every day, when I struggle with the, the things that, that, lead me astray, who's hungry and thirsty enough to say, no, I want to be made right. When my thoughts go astray, when, when, when my actions go to a place, they, they aren't supposed to be. No, I'm hungry and thirsty for the righteousness that I am in Jesus Christ. That feeling when I first discovered His love, that moment I realized I was forgiven, that moment I recognized the price that was paid for my sin and how it made me feel. I hunger and thirst for that. It compels me. It drives me. There's there's emotion. There's need. There's, there's 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 everything in that word. That hunger and thirsting. There's kingdom perspective. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You know, it's amazing sometimes that the church isn't very merciful. What does it mean to show mercy? Matthew chapter 25, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. The righteous will answer Him saying, Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? Or when did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you inasmuch as you did to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Assuredly, I say to you inasmuch as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. You know, this week, happened again, uh, Thursday, I had ordered the sound system, and it was supposed to show up on Thursday. And so I went home for lunch, and it hadn't come yet, and then it started to rain. So I figured I'd better go up to church, because you know FedEx always comes when it rains. And so I got up there, and there was a package on the porch, and then there was a guy standing next to the package. And I thought, oh my. Because typically when there's a guy I don't recognize standing on the porch at the church, they need something. And so I bring the package in and he begins to tell me he's homeless and he needs to get a, a hotel room. And I'm telling you, I have to remember the verse, blessed are the meek, or the merciful, I'm sorry. Because there are so many times I don't want to show mercy. That's compassion. <laughs> Unmerited favor. <laughs> Man, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to show mercy right now. I want to tell you, buck up, buttercup. Go out and get a job and do something for yourself. That's what I want to say. Can I tell you I the flush in Pastor Steve right now? And this gentleman telling me his story and he needs a hotel room. And so, all right, I'll, I'll take care of that and take care of that. And then he needs some food. All right, I can take care of that. we got a lady in church. you got a restaurant. I'll send you up there. She can send me the bill. He said, I don't like to eat in restaurants, sir. Can we go to the dollar store and get something there? I wanted to say, are you hungry? I wanted to say, like, food is there. <laughs> Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I don't know if he was telling the truth or not, but I gave him some money so he could go to the dollar store and get him some groceries and and I just thought, what's it really matter in the grand scheme of things? Is there really a limit to the mercy that I can show someone else? Is there really does there really need to be a limit on the mercy that we as a body of Christ show others? That at times we become so unmerciful. You know, I know when he talks about forgiveness, he says the way you forgive is the way you'll be forgiven. That's coming in this sermon, Kingdom Perspective, not today, but down the road. You know, it seems like in this verse he's saying the way you show mercy is the way you'll be shown mercy. I don't want to limit to His mercy in my life. I'm not saying I show mercy to be shown mercy, but the principle of showing mercy, He will show me mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You know, pure in heart is, is the idea of our motives. You know, he, he wants to address in my kingdom, it's all about your motives. You know, he, he is a, a man that his ministry is, is surrounded by people with various motives. He sees it even in the disciples, the one it said he was teaching, right? He's teaching his disciples this, yet their motives at the end is, hey, when we get to heaven, can I sit next to you? And then one has his mom, hey, my son. You we were talking, and they want to sit next to you in the kingdom of God. You know, I mean, the pure in heart, it's the reality of our motives. We'll, we'll spend some time looking at acts of righteousness later on in this sermon where, where he unpacks what he's talking about. But my motives are not about what it means to me, but it's, it's genuine, it's pure. I didn't give that guy some money on Thursday so I could preach it on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? How many times, I mean, I will tell you, I've got a meeting this afternoon at 4 o'clock on Zoom. And my motives for that meeting are not good. I'm not pure in heart when it comes to attending that meeting, because I feel like I have to attend that meeting Because I was the presbyter before, and the presbyter now is having it, so I need to be there. And I will tell you, my my presence, Tanner's going to be in that meeting. I forgot Tanner was here, so he's laughing. I mean, he may be in that meeting anyway. Whoops. But the reality is, on Sunday afternoon at four, I love pastors, but the last thing I want to do is be talking about church. I mean, That's me. But, but it's a pure in heart. I mean, it, it talks about our motivation. The examples that, that Jesus will use that we'll look at later is when you fast, when you pray, the things that we do. Why are you doing what you're doing? What's causing you to do what you're doing? Pure in heart, I want to be who God made me to be. Pure in heart, I want to experience what God has for me. So sometimes He may lift me up. And sometimes I may be pushed down but my heart is that I'm pleasing my Father. My heart is that when He looks at me, when I stand before Him, He can look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because He can see where my heart is. What makes you happy? Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, I think these next two are funny because He puts them right after each other. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are you when people are blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness. Now, I want want to talk to Jesus and say, peacemakers and persecuted. It sounds like he's just saying, like Oprah, here's a blessing for you, blessing for you, blessing for you, blessing for you. Everybody gets a blessing. I mean, peacemakers and persecuted. Peacemakers. Like, I'm avoiding conflict and persecuting. I'm causing conflict. Right? I mean, am I the only one that sees that and says, it seems a little odd that they're right next to each other? Maybe you guys are smarter than me. Maybe you already did the research that I had to get to a place of understanding on that. But what the reality was is I looked at these words, the idea of peace, again, is complete or wholeness. Those blessed are are the peacemakers. God has called you to be a peacemaker. Now does that mean you have to run in between and be sweet in every conflict? No, it doesn't mean that at all. What it means is God has called you to be a peacemaker. If you'll recall, we've talked about this a lot, peace in the Old Testament, peace in the New Testament, it's the idea of a puzzle. Peace is when all the pieces are in the puzzle. No peace is when it's not whole. When it's not complete. God desires to use you to bring things to wholeness. How do I bring things to wholeness? Well, I can guarantee you that anyone who is flesh and blood will not be complete unless they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They will not be whole unless they recognize the love that God has for them. So blessed are the peacemakers. He said, I've given you a ministry of reconciliation, reconciling. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are you when you're persecuted because of righteousness. Not when people don't like you because you're being wrong, but when when, when people persecute you because of who you are in Jesus Christ. You know, there's a whole lot of perspective. There's a whole lot of understanding in these verses and in, in this chapter. The kingdom perspective, apart from the kingdom of God, these don't make any sense whatsoever, but in His kingdom, in the kingdom that He's establishing, in the kingdom that that He is is introducing, you have to, I encourage you, to look at these words this week. Make these your pursuits. I said they're the keys to the kingdom of God. It's, It's about your position with Him. Acknowledging you can't. You are not enough. Acknowledging that that stuff that this separates you from Him, you hate it, you despise it, you don't want it, realizing that, that you will be comforted, that, that it's not about you, that, that, that you need to show the, the, the transformation that happens. These, these keys begin to show you what genuine happiness will be. I don't know what you've been pursuing, but I encourage you to pursue the keys to His kingdom. I'm going to pray, and then I guess you guys can lead us in a song before we dismiss. Um, but I'm just going to pray for, for us today. I'm going to pray for, for what God is doing. God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that we can be together. I thank You for the beautiful weather this day. I thank You, God, that we can experience You. And Lord, I pray for each one of us. I ask God that we would know how we are truly blessed. God, I pray that we would pursue the keys to Your kingdom when it comes to being fortunate. Help us to recognize those areas, God. Help us to see those places. Help us to know, God, when we need You and where we need You. Father, I pray over each of us, I pray that that we come to the full understanding of Your kingdom. Help us as we dig into your word. Help us to know your truths. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Carrie can lead us in a song. Um, I just encourage you while you're, while you're home, I know we got all the reading plans. If you want to look over these verses, we'll be spending some time in Matthew. Um, it, it's just a great understanding of God's plan for his kingdom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you make you happy, make you fortunate, make you be admired and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you pursue the kingdom blessings. May you pursue the kingdom's peace. Amen? Be blessed. Have a wonderful Sunday.